It is Wednesday, August 3rd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to night one of the third annual Draft Sharks Invitational. I'm your host, Matt Schauff. With me tonight are Jared Smola, Adam Krautwurst, and a bunch of the biggest drafters, analysts in the country. Jared, I know for sure that it's August 3rd because that's the fourth time that I have started out a podcast with that today. So we're, we've been talking a lot, but tonight's special because it's the beginning of, like I said, the third annual Draft Sharks Invitational. We got a bunch of people playing together. We were going to have league prizes in each. We'll get into all the details. One overall winner. It's a fun tournament. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little sick of you, Matt. It's only early August. So <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a long season. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this. At this point, then we're doing okay. Yeah, it's true. I, I'm excited for this. It's a cool format, which we'll talk about. It's a loaded group. I'm always excited to see how these guys are going to put their teams together. Yeah, we'll be going tonight, tomorrow, Friday night for this. Next week, we got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Each of us, I said Thursday, I forgot how to say names <laughs> now. So each of us will be drafting. None of us is drafting tonight, but there will be one of us in each of these drafts. Uh, it's all for cash. As I said, Adam, this was your baby three years ago now. How do you think it's going off so far? Yeah, this is exciting. It's I think it's going well. The prize is going up, which is always nice. Uh, but uh yeah, I'm excited to get all these all these guys in in here. It's um, you know the, the the best of the best. You know the best analysts. We think the best high stakes players in the, in the world are in this uh, six six nights. I think it to me it's the it's the toughest single bullet competition in all of fantasy football. So uh, and I draft tomorrow, so I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be locked into the to these guys tonight, setting the ADP for us. Yeah, I'm going to have to get your attention back to the show because you'd be like, wait a second, I'm watching to see who I should take tomorrow night. <laughs> so a bit about the format before we get to it, and you guys can see the stream has the draft board, so you can see the first two picks. We will definitely be talking about all of the picks here, but just the format before we get to that so you know why people are drafting players where they are because it's going to be different. First of all, six leagues, like I said, six different drafts, 12 teams in each of those leagues. The winner of each league gets $500 one overall winner is going to get $5,000 of Lenny Papano's money. And Adam, <laughs> I, that makes me hate this tournament, honestly, because it's my boss's money that is going to these people. So instead of it maybe being my Christmas <laughs> bonus, I got to duke it out to try to get it. Yeah, I mean, uh, at least we'll go straight to your paycheck. I'll probably have to beg and plead for 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 it on, on the front porch of his house or something. So, uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll be nice. It's, I mean, that's a sweet grand prize for an invite for you know no zero dollar entry fee. Um, really, really cool and uh, thankful to Draft Sharks for for, for doing that. Yeah, 25-round draft tonight. We will not be covering every single one of those rounds, but we will be going for a while. We're going to cover quite a bit of it. Of course, this draft and all six of them are running on Fantrax this year. Totally free, totally customizable. You should go to Fantrax.com now slash DraftSharks today. That's not now slash DraftSharks. Fantrax.com slash DraftSharks. But you should go there now, set up your free league, import your existing league from a worse site so you can run it on Fantrax. If you register at any point in August, you're going to be automatically entered for their game day experience drawing. They're going to send one lucky league to a city of your choice to see an NFL game, give you $6,000 of spending money. It's one I want to win. So I hope that nobody out there watching this wins it because I would like it. The scoring for this league that's drafting tonight and the rest of them, mostly common scoring settings, but 
we got some quirks. We got tight end premium scoring, one and a half points per reception, of course. One PPR for everybody else who's not a tight end. Mike Gusecki might be confused, but he gets that one and a half points. Super flex. We got two flex spots in the lineup. One of those can be a quarterback. That's what super flex is. We start three receivers every week. It is a best ball format. So these guys are not going to have to set their lineups every week. The computer will do that for them. No kickers, no defense. They're a waste of time. It's 17 weeks of best ball action, collecting points the whole time. We don't have any of those one and done playoffs. So at the end of this, Jared, the best team wins. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, right? It's a little bit of the best ball strategy where you're probably going to want to be building stacks when possible. It's a super premium. So I think it gets everyone out of their comfort zone, which, which we like to see. That's right. And getting out of their comfort zone tonight is going to be this order of drafters. We got number one, Pat Fitzmorris of, of Fantasy Pros. He is at Fitz underscore FF on Twitter. Number two is Evan Silva of Establish the Run. He, of course, is at Evan Silva on Twitter. Number three is Mike Sanda, a veteran of the high stakes leagues at NFFC and FFPC. League titles for Mike across several formats on both of those sites. He is at Mike Sandman 62 on Twitter. Number four in the draft order is Sean Kerner of the Action Network. He is at the underscore odds makers, one of the better uh, projectors, along with my buddy Jared Smola in the nation every year in that competition. Number five, Dave Kluge of Football Guys. He is at Dave Kluge on Twitter. Number six, Darren Armani of Fantasy Mojo. He, of course, is at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter. Number seven in the draft order is Matthew Friedman of fantasy pros and lots of other places before that he is matt f the oracle on twitter number eight drafting tonight is dom dom barani i knew i was going to stumble over one of these names dom barani part of the go bills team that won the ffpc main event last year those guys are based out around buffalo he is at ff underscore go bills on twitter number nine jj zacharyson now running his own site late round qb.com he is of course at late round qb on Twitter. Number 10 is Jake Seeley of the athletic creator of the flex expert leagues, among other things. He is at all in kid on Twitter. Number 11 in the draft order tonight is Dan Williamson, part of the goat district podcast crew, best ball draft grinder, a high stakes vet. He's got league wins across FFPC main event auction dynasty. He is at overhyped sleeper without the final E on Twitter. And our last drafter is our buddy, Mike Shope. We potted with him earlier today. Adam pods with him multiple times a week. Mike Shope is at Shope Talk on Twitter. And Adam, he has just gotten more and more into fantasy after, you know, being a voice of sports in Western New York for a long time. Yeah. I mean, the guy's, he's thirsty for it. He loves it. You know, he was, I was, it was, uh, <laughs> and he, he's, he learns on the fly too. I was comparing him to, and he always says he's like one of the older guys in the, in the, in the business. But I was like, listen, some of the best college students are the ones that go back to college <laughs> when they're in like their thirties. Okay. So just consider yourself like a, a late, a late bloomer. And, uh, he loves it. He's messaging me 24 hours a day about it. And he's doing really, really well. Hey, Rodney Dangerfield went back to college and won that diving competition, right? <laughs> he can he do that too. Old. He can do that too. <laughs> so let's get to the reason that I think people are here for this tonight. And that is who is actually picked in this thing. Remember, super flex, best ball, all that. The 101 still, though, to Pat, Pat Fitzmorris is Jonathan Taylor. And then Christian McCaffrey, number two off the board. Jared, are you surprised at all that we started running back, running back in this super flex competition? Very surprised. Very surprised. I expected Allen to be the first pick off the board. I expected the first few picks to be these elite quarterbacks. Um, 
And more, more surprises in the first round, too. I mean, Derrick Henry, a surprise to me, going ahead of Jamar Chase, going ahead of, ahead of Travis Kelsey in the tight end premium format. So, um, yeah, d- definitely not a chalky first round in, in, in my view. Yeah, and that's one of the things that you love about the format is what is chalk for it? We don't really know sure. because there have been more super flex tournaments around so far this year than we have ever seen before, Adam, but still – it's not quite what this tournament is. So it's always interesting to see how people react to it. So let's look at the rest of that first round. We'll kind of react to how things went. Mike Sanda took Josh Allen third off the board. I would imagine he was happy to see Josh Allen there at the third spot for the super flex format. Cooper cup to Sean Kerner at number four, Lamar Jackson to J- to Dave Kluge at number five, Justin Jefferson to fantasy mojo at six, Austin Eckler, the third running back off the board at seven to Matthew Friedman. And then Dom took Justin Herbert at 1-8. Uh, Adam, any surprises to you in that range beyond what we've already talked about? There are two running backs going first. And frankly, you know, we said it was a surprise. Are you surprised to see the running backs go ahead of Josh Allen? I am. I mean, one, I've, I've seen one, but not generally two go ahead of Josh Allen. It's not, you know, the quarterback position is so, so interesting, especially in these super flex drafts. I mean, I did the the Scott Fishbowl live in Buffalo and I, and that's, that's, that's super flex. And I, I think I picked third or fourth and I wanted Kyler Murray and I could, couldn't get him. The guy at three or two took him. Uh, so it's, it, it's just interesting. Um, you know, different quarterback takes fine. I don't really care who you like at quarterback, you know, whoever, whoever you're comfortable with fine, but it, it is interesting to see that the top quarterback went third. I always wonder uh, if everyone knows that it's super flex when <laughs> like the, the first two guys know it's fine. I hope so. I mean, Taylor McCaffrey are fine, great, but um, but it's always interesting to, to to wonder if they if they if they actually knew. But then you know every, everybody catches up. Starting with Don Bargnani, it's quarterbacks for like seven of the next nine picks. I do think it's always important to remember that it's super flex. It's not two quarterback. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, that that super flex spot, and especially in a best ball league where we go twenty five rounds, so you're drafting so many guys. It's easier to get away with or even maybe, you know, want that super flex spot to not always be a quarterback in a format like this. And I, like I said, we've had a lot more super flex drafting this draft season. I've done a lot of it on underdog and we would typically see quarterbacks fly off the board in round one. You could often get Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey toward the end of round one. I've seen Christian McCaffrey get into round two in that format that is 20 roster spots versus 25 here and fewer starting positions to fill than what you have here. So I think in that vein, it makes sense for the quarterbacks to be pushed down a little bit, but we can certainly see from the board overall that this is super flex and that people know what they're drafting. I remember we've had some drafts in this over the past couple of years where a team will go like, 10 rounds without a quarterback I'm like wait, wait a second pal do you know what you need to do in this draft <laughs> so we'll see exactly how those things progress Patrick Mahomes went to JJ at number nine in this draft Derek Henry 10th was the fourth running back off the board in round one to Jake Seeley's team then it was Kyler Murray at 11 Jalen Hurts to Mike Shope at 12 and then Travis Kelsey around the turn Adam would you have bet on those being his picks seeing things play out ahead of Mike that way yeah, I kind of know we had, we had had a little strategy discussion I think last week about what he was looking to do here, and then I won't I won't blow up his spot, but I think that was a I know I knew he wanted Hurts for for, for sure, so 
I'm glad he was able to 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 get him. And uh and, and yeah, so it, it's it's so interesting of the different builds. I mean, outside of the Scott Fishbowl, which has crazy rules, um, this might be the next uh closest competition when it comes to like the different builds and the and the ADPs you're gonna find over these six drafts, because you can build with having to start three quarterbacks and and flex position. I'm sorry, three receivers and flex positions, and super flex, and tight end premium. I mean, you can literally start the draft any way you want, and it can it can certainly work. So uh, I like a, a, a QB heavy build, um, so a heavier build, especially when you're on the ends like, like Mike is. You know, you never know what's going to happen between your picks. So if you want those quarterbacks earlier, you kind of got to take them in the, maybe the first four picks. I would imagine he would take uh, at least one more here. Yeah, I like the difference that that you mentioned between this and the Scott Fish format. I like that, you know, this is quirky. It's different than what we're used to, but it's not crazy. You know, we've played tight end premium. We've played super flex. You play with three wide receivers all the time. So it, it pushes everybody off of what ADP is and what your typical approach is. But it's also not nuts like, I don't know what first down scoring does in this, or I don't know what points per completion and minus points per incompletion. You know, I, I like a format like this that just makes you think a little bit more without blowing the whole thing up. To me, yeah. Mike, to me, just, just looking through two rounds, Mike and Dave, I think have my favorite starts getting one of those elite quarterbacks and then getting an elite tight end in Mike's case, you know, one of the top three wide receivers in Dave's case. Um, I like, I like how those two teams started. And we just had Dave Kluge in the comments on YouTube say that he is mad that he got sniped on Mark Andrews for that, which <laughs> makes sense because he had Lamar Jackson in round one, I believe. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So that would have been a nice start. So we've got a lifelong grudge there, as Dave says, <laughs> because we got a lot of money on the line, a lot of Lenny Papano's money, a lot of what would have been my bonus money at Christmas time. But <laughs> I'll try to get over that and enjoy the competition for what it is. Continuing into round two, we had Tom Brady go off the board second in round two to Dan Williamson. So he started with Kyler Murray and Tom Brady. Then Trey Lance went next. That made him what what number of quarterback is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So the eighth quarterback, that's right about where he's going in ADP right now, Jared. And are you sad slash not surprised to see Trey Lance up to that level on a regular basis? Yeah, I'm sad because I, you know, I, well, I think that's where he belongs. I think when he was going quarterback 12, you know, a month ago, he was a value. I, you know, say what you want about him as a passer, but one Kyle Shanahan scheme just makes it easy. Look at what Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard did in that offense. And, you know, now Lance has better weapons than Mullins and Beathard had. And then, of course, the rushing. Like, I just think his floor, even if he's not a good real life quarterback, like his floor is going to be quarterback 10. And if he is a better passer than we think, you know, he, he could he could crack that, you know, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes kind of, you know, quarterback four, quarterback five territory, I think. Yeah, I, I think that QB eight is a fair price for him. I think it's a little bit high for him to be a smash pick at that point. Could he outperform that? Sure. But it's going to be obviously be tougher from QB eight level than it was from, you know, QB 13 for a little while uh, in the best ball drafts earlier in the year when we started getting rumors about Jimmy Garoppolo not going anywhere. That was that was a fun time to be drafting right after Trey Lance went Joe Burrow to late round QB his second quarterback to start this draft. And, I you know, I mentioned that because it's funny, but. 
uh, JJ, I've heard talk on multiple pods at this point about how quarterback values have changed and quarterbacks belong earlier in drafts now and that people are more appropriately valuing them at this point. So he's certainly not still wait, wait, wait on a quarterback, regardless of the format, even outside of Superflex. Russell Wilson went to Don Barani's team. So he started with Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson. That makes three teams that started quarterback, quarterback right there toward the second half of the round. Adam, are you favoring the two quarterbacks start in that range like they did? Or would you rather get one of the elites, especially if you get, you know, Herbert Mahomes, uh, whoever else you include in the elite territory, would you like to get those two like that? Or would you rather go an elite one, pick something else in round two and then see who gets to you in round three? Yeah, I would probably go that, go that route, get the elite one, hold off and then, and grab a stud at, at receiver, tight end, or running back, and then come back around and get – because you know in the in the middle late third, you're still going to get a, a decent QB. You know, tr- Trevor Lawrence, fine. Kirk Cousins, fine. Especially when you got one of those elite ones there. But, yeah, it's it's so ironic. The the, the late-round quarterback goes quarterback, quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I love it. That's, that's, that's part of the game. And then he comes back and gets that triple Bengals stack there, Burrow, Mixon, Higgins. So – uh, I'm perfectly fine with, um, with 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 them going QB QB at, at the end there. We we will certainly be watching the stacks in this best ball format, and we've already seen a couple get broken up, and maybe some others make picks that that make you wonder why they didn't go in a different direction. What about you, Jared? I was just going to say, going back to you know whether you know Wilson was the crack pick there in round two. I think it's so important in a format like this to have your tiers set and to you know trying to be getting the last guy or two in a tier. And I think, you know, Dom did a nice job there with Russell Wilson, who to me is kind of in that, I don't know whether you call it the second or or third tier of quarterbacks. And like, by the time it got back to him, you know, if you wanted a quarterback in the third round, he's looking at Trevor Lawrence or Kirk cousins, who to me are a full tier below Russell Wilson. Yeah. So is the tier break right there after Russell Wilson, or would you put it after Dak Prescott or to me, Dak, to me, Dak and Stafford are in that tier. And then it's like, the car cousins fields rogers that that kind of guy so it's it, it's it's russ stack and stafford all those all those second round quarterbacks are kind of in that tier to me i think a fully healthy stafford would be there him with the elbow yeah. puts him puts a, a gap between him and dak prescott for me and i dak prescott i wonder if i'm a little bit too low on just perhaps yeah. overrating the receivers working with him this year a bit just you know versus what he's shown us production wise so far yeah i'm starting to wonder if we should be bumping Stafford down our rankings. I'm starting to get worried about the elbow. You know, it's August and he's still having pain. Dak, I'm good with where we're at. I mean, I am concerned about his weapons. I'm a bit, a little concerned about the O-line. Man, if if the, if the Cowboys signed Will Fuller, though, you know, I'd, I'd want to move Dak up two or three spots in the ranks. Yeah, so he's probably in a fair spot. He came out similarly for me. And I can't say that I've been, you know, drafting him a ton from there. So obviously I don't love him that much. So After the Russell Wilson pick, we got Najee Harris. So a running back, running back start for Matthew Friedman, who actually threw four rounds just to peek ahead, has no quarterbacks yet. Dak Prescott was the first quarterback for Fantasy Mojo on the other side of that Najee Harris pick at 2-7. Jamar Chase followed him to Dave Kluge's team. Lamar Jackson, Jamar Chase start for him. Then Matthew Stafford was the... Well, we got a refresh on the board. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12... So Matthew Stafford, the 12th quarterback off the board. Then we've got a little bit of a gap before the next one. Dalvin Cook to Mike Sanders' team. Stephon Diggs to uh, Evan Silva, who took Christian McCaffrey the first time. 
uh, Devontae Adams to the Jonathan Taylor team at the turn. And before we get into round three, Adam, are you surprised that Sanda did not take Stefan Diggs to stack with Josh Allen at that round two pick? I am for sure. For sure. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm wondering if he thought maybe Diggs would be there uh, on the way back, but Diggs generally goes after Chase. Uh, he's usually the next receiver taken. Maybe he was kind of playing with fire there. He might love Delvin Cook, but I think it, um, in in this situation, uh, having to start three, I think receivers are very valuable anyway. So uh, Diggs might have been my pick there, but maybe Sanda, uh, maybe Sanda was 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 thinking he could get him on the, on the way back. And perhaps he's down on Stefan Diggs slightly this year, you know, just enough and thought that he had a round one running back. And maybe we'll see if he grabs Gabriel Davis at some point. Maybe he is more sure. to that side. So that'll be interesting to watch. And for stacking purposes at the first pick, so Pat Fitzmorris chose first overall and then back around to him for the two, three turn. He stacked Devontae Adams and Derek Carr together. That seems like a nice pairing to get at the two, three turn in this format, Jared. Yeah, I think both guys were good values, you know, by themselves and then stacking them up together makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm a bit surprised in general about, you know, we, we had running backs go one, two, but I think the backs after that fell a bit farther than I'm expecting. I know it's the, you know, start two running backs, three wideouts, but, um, you know, guys like Leonard Fournette and Aaron Jones getting into the fourth round, even in this format, those those seem like pretty strong values to me. Yeah, it slowed way down after that quick running back start. We had two go with the first two picks, but then just four total by the end of round one, two more in round two, and then four more through round three. Um, So interesting to see those trends because you wonder if it's going to speed up with the way things start, but no speed up there. Evan Silva took his first quarterback in round three with the second pick, Aaron Rodgers to go with Stephon Diggs, Christian McCaffrey. Justin Fields was the third pick of that round. He goes to Mike Sanders' team with, Josh Allen and Dalvin Cook. And then it was the tight ends that we alluded to. Mark Andrews went to Sean Kerner's team. He's got Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford. So I got those two guys stacked up to start his draft. And then Mark Andrews at tight end, stolen from Dave Kluge, who had to settle for Kyle Pitts, which, Adam, we're talking tight end premium. So that's not a bad consolation prize. Yeah. I mean, Pitts, you know, uh, Mike and I, Mike Chopin, and I took. Pitts last night in the pros versus Joe's, but we were and, and Andrews was there with a pick left. He ended up getting taken in front of us. But we we were considering Pitts over Andrews. I think he has that type of type of upside. Um, yeah, Pitts is certainly a, a fine co- consolation prize if you if you miss out on Mark Andrews. But that stack would would have been nice for him. Yeah, I don't think it would be shocking if Kyle Pitts outscored Mark Andrews this year in in PPR, you know, one and a half PPR, which is obviously favoring the receiving volume even more. Fantasy Mojo took Saquon Barkley as his first running back in round three. Justin Jefferson, Dak Prescott, Saquon Barkley for him. Where did CeeDee Lamb was still on the board for his uh, for his Barkley pick, right? Yeah, it went a couple picks later. So another spot where drafter passed on the quarterback wide receiver stack in favor of Barkley. I'm going to assume that Mojo just thought that Barkley shouldn't still be on the board at that point. What do you think, Jared? Yeah, probably. And I also think, you know, when you're talking about stacking here, you're only trying to beat, what, 71 other teams. You know, this is not the underdog tournament where you're trying to beat 400,000 teams. It's not the FFPC basketball tournament even. So to me, stacking is definitely not as important in a format like this than it is in these huge tournaments. I would definitely agree with that. I would also say, though, that – if Dak Prescott has even a small tournament winning season, then CeeDee Lamb is probably having an amazing season as well. So I, I still think I would have gone that way. I love Saquon Barkley, but I think I probably would have tried to pair 
Lamb with with Dak and seeing what happened running back wise, especially with just like I said, six of them off the board to that point. So you know, it's not like we saw Saquon fall out of the top ten at the position. But you know, that's why we do this to see the different approaches from everybody in this one. We had Matthew Friedman with the two running back start go Debo Samuel in the third round. So still no quarterback for him there. C.D. Lamb then went to Dom's team following the two quarterback start. Justin Herbert. Russell Wilson, C.D. Lamb in the round three. Joe Mixon, you guys alluded to earlier. J.J. got Joe Burrow in round two, took Joe Mixon, the running back for the Bengals, in the following round. Kind of interesting to go that route ahead of the wide receiver. Is that surprising to you, Adam, even though he ended up getting T. Higgins around that 3-4 turn and with the fourth pick around four? Yeah, usually there's such a uh, a receiver thirst in, in, in a lot of drafts, especially when you're at, at the back end. And, uh, and especially when you got to start three and you can't start four or five, even with the flex and the super flex. So, but I think it ended up working out for him, uh, able to get Higgins, able to get Sutton. I mean, that's a, that's a real nice start for him. You know, he doesn't have to worry about quarterback for the rest of the draft as far as like, Oh my gosh, I got to get one. He might pick a third later on for bye weeks or injuries or whatever. But I think it's a real nice start for him. And maybe he goes uh, running back again here to kind of solidify that, or he could go, uh, there you go with another really good receiver, Marquise Brown, hopefully the speedster, the speedster. speedster, he's speedy on and off the field. So, <laughs> uh, but that, that's, that's a real nice start for JJ knocking out. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to give JJ some credit and say he gambled that Higgins would make it back to him in the fourth, seeing that you know, guys like Swift and Kamara and Evans are mm-hmm. still on the board. Those guys tend to go ahead of Higgins anyway. So I, I think he yep. probably, Took a calculated risk there that Higgins would make it back to him. Yeah, we only had seven wide receivers off the board when his pick came up there. Uh, so we still had Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Tyree Kill around. And, you know, like you guys said, the stacking is not imperative here. So I think it's a, a good place to take that gamble because if you don't get T. Higgins, it's not like it's crushing you, especially because he got the Bengals running back. It's not like he reached for something else. So there's still value there, even though it's less of a direct uh, stack with the quarterback and running back. If the Bengals offense explodes, Joe Mixon's probably going with it. Agreed. We had Trevor Lawrence go off the board next after the Joe Mixon pick. He was the 16th quarterback, which is right around where he goes. I think Jared, if I were Matthew Friedman and started out with the two running backs, instead of Debo, mm-hmm. I would have taken Trevor Lawrence there uh, to start my quarterback group, knowing that I'm already, you know, two and a half rounds into the super flex draft without one. I think I would have too, because again, looking at like, if you're tiering these guys to me, it was like Lawrence and cousins as the last two guys in that tier. So I probably would have grabbed one of those guys and cousins would have made sense too, to me. Um, I would have grabbed one of those guys with the third round pick. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, another advantage to taking (laughs) quarterbacks early is fighting your own urge later on to continue to not take them because like you get into these, Third, fourth, fifth rounds. Like, my God, am I taking Matt Ryan yeah. over Cortland <laughs> Sutton? Like, it's just, yeah. it's just, it makes you sick to do. So, if you can knock out quarterback, then you're just like, okay, I don't have to worry about taking, you know, uh, Mac Jones over AJ Brown. It's, it's, it's sick, but it kind of makes sense. But I, I, I would, that's why I lean kind of going quarterback early, also. Yeah, 23 quarterbacks off the board uh, through five rounds. So, you know, there's only a handful of like locked in starters left. At least if you take Mac Jones, though, you right away uh, fill that middle school assistant principal role on your <laughs> roster. And that's going to be tough for yeah, how the about, rest of you guys in there. How about this fan tracks uh, draft board, though? You know, <laughs> color coded, which is sweet. And then the, the, the player headshots. 
nice, a nice touch. There you go. And I don't even have to zoom in to be able to read the names at the top of it, which yes. I think says something both for them and for me because I'm 42. I couldn't. I, I couldn't tell it was a fan tracks draft board. How did, how, how did you guys know that? <laughs> <laughs> so after Trevor Lawrence, we had DeAndre Swift at the second to last pick of round three. We had Alvin Kamara closing out round three. He was running back. Where we got. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Running back ten. So that's actually a tiny bit earlier than where he's been going relative to other running backs. Kirk Cousins around the turn to Mike Shope's team. He got now Jalen Hurts, Travis Kelsey, Alvin Kamara, and Kirk Cousins start to start out his draft. Um, Adam, are you texting him a thumbs up or are you uh, <laughs> telling him that he should have changed any of those picks? No, listen, uh, Mike was the beat of his own drum here. So I think uh I think from what we what we talked about, I think he had he got who he who he wanted, um, and so you know he's got what, two quarterbacks, two running backs, a tight end, and a receiver. I, I think I know what direction he's going to go here next. I don't want to kind of blow it for him, so I'm not going to say much. But going forward, but yeah, I mean, I, I like I like his pick so far. Very, this is a different different surgery, right? Very, very well rounded team. He's got his elite tight end. He's got his quarterbacks. He's got his running backs. Kamara. Uh, might be a smash pick. I mean, uh, you know, it sounds like he's going to play the whole year. And if so, you know, I like him ahead of Swift. I like him ahead of, uh, I'll say it. I like him ahead of Mixon. Uh, I don't Gosh. like, I don't like many people ahead of, ahead of Barkley. So, but uh, yeah, Kamara, Kamara's a great, great pick there. And how about, how about Nick Chubb at, you know, five twelve behind right. K makers behind ETN behind James Conner. Um, I get, I get it's full PPR, but to me, the, the Chubb hate, I mean, I'm look, he was, he was RB seven last year or sorry. And I'm, he was RB 12 last year in PPR points per game. Like I know the guy doesn't catch a ton of passes, but uh, I think he's, you know, he's still a very good runner and that still counts too, even in PPR leagues. Yeah. He's RB 17 here. And I would like to take a moment to uh, applaud Jared on his growth because every year when his projections come out, we have to tell him to move Nick Chubb up higher because he just hates <laughs> him that much. So no, now no, 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 no. I've always had him in the right spot. People <laughs> drafted him, you know, half round too early for the past two years. Now it's kind of gone too far in the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, no, in all seriousness, that's important because it, it is easy to say, oh, I, I haven't been drafting Nick Chubb the past few years and it's always worked out for me. So I'm just going to keep letting him go. But if everybody else is doing that, then it's like, well, maybe I'll take some Nick Chubb because he definitely has likely <laughs> potential. So after Kirk Cousins to start round four, we had Mike Evans go to the Tom Brady team for Dan Williamson. So I'm sure he had to like seeing Mike Evans get around that turn. You know, Mike Evans a little bit more attractive before Chris Godwin was not on the pup before Julio Jones landed there. But still, Mike Evans is the clear number one there, certainly in best ball format. You love having the guy that could score three touchdowns in any given week. We had Jake Seeley do the anti-Matthew Friedman draft and take his third quarterback in round four, he's now got Derrick Henry, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Jameis Winston to start his draft. Adam, is that overkill at quarterback? Should he have passed on Winston there? I personally would have passed on Winston, but but again, you know, in Superflex, he might have wanted to lock up a third, like, guaranteed starter uh, at the position, and there's something to be said about that. And now he can spend the rest of his draft, you know, at quarterback – I'm sorry, at running back receiver and t- tight end. And it's interesting. Some people, I think – one of the positive things about underdog has been like with their, with their super flex tournaments. And I know FFPC and FFWC have super flex tournaments now too, is I think it's bringing people along to be more comfortable 
with doing these tournaments and working on different builds and, st and stuff like that. So maybe Jake has, uh, he's comfortable with doing the three early quarterbacks and he's got his kind of late round sleepers that, that he really loves to kind of fill in the gaps at the other positions, but he's going to be playing catch up. I'm sure at the receiver position, which is tough when you have to start three and you plus a plus a flex where you, where you generally want to flex that receiver. So he's going to be playing catch up. We'll see if he is able to do it here. He is. That's exactly the point I was going to make. Um, using three of your first four picks on quarterbacks when you need to start two RBs, three wideouts, a tight end, and a flex. Um, it, it, you know, it gets kind of said to me at those other positions if you're taking three quarterbacks so early. Yeah, and you do just need to start one every week, but obviously you would ultimately you would like to have two in your starting lineup every week because yeah. it's the highest scoring position. Uh, around so locking in three early should give him a pretty good chance of getting two of those guys into his lineup pretty much every week and of course the other factor here is even though it's not a large tournament you are trying to beat 71 other teams so you can't draft in the same formation as other teams around you so there's something to be said for drafting different than the other guys in your league maybe it was a strategy going in maybe it was a reaction to how the draft room is going um, but either way it's different from what anybody else has through round four. So we'll see how that works out for him. T Higgins made it back to JJ in round four. As we said earlier, Aaron Jones went to Don Baragni in uh, at four Oh five, his first running back followed Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, CD lamb, and then Aaron Jones in round four, Tyreek Hill to Matthew Friedman's team, his zero QB start to the draft. And we'll see what he did the next round for those that are listening to this afterward. Fantasy Mojo took Tua Tonga-Vailoa as his second quarterback. So he had a Justin Jefferson, Dak Prescott. Jared refreshed it while I was reading the players. Saquon Barkley <laughs> and Tua start for his draft. Dave Kluge got Leonard Fournette as his first running back in round four. And then Sean Kerner took Keenan Allen to go with Mark Andrews, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup to start his draft. Uh, Adam, anything stand out to you in that range of picks? I don't really think so. I, again, I just the more... Like the Tannehill, Tua, Winston, kind of Mac Jones, Matt Ryan range there just doesn't cut it for me. And generally, I don't care about, about quarterback, but in these super flex, I, I would like to have two before then. Um, so, uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't love it. Cause again, Mac, like a guy like Mac Jones could, I mean, he might barely, this is a super flex, right? He might barely outscore like a really good receiver you could have gotten in that range on a week-to-week bit, -week like A.J. Brown or, 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 or Cortland Sutton. I don't know if he had a chance at Sutton. He did. So it's like at that point, I, I would just be taking these, those high upside skill guys, which is why I like yeah. to kind of go receive our quarterback a little bit earlier. Yeah, this is the tier thing to me again. I don't see a difference between the quarterbacks in round five and the quarterbacks in round seven. And I know you can get sort of freaked out in these super flex leagues that you're going to get, you know, left out at quarterback and not even have two starters. So in, in some cases, and you just kind of kind of bite the bullet and make sure you get a starter in round five. But to me, um, you know, Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones could you know, easily outscore Matt Ryan and Mac Jones. I think Jameis went earlier than I would take him, but I think two is fair where he went, and especially with a wide receiver of his still on the board that we saw make it back to fantasy mojo the next round. So uh, I I'm, I'm fine with Tua going in that range. Um, you know, even though what you say, like the, the wide receivers could score similarly over the course of the season, we're much more likely to see Tua average, 
you know, 19, 20 points a game than we are to see Cortland Sutton do that. So if we're taking spike weeks, we can also much more easily piece together that wide receiver core and just take guys that you don't love, but that are going to give you starter weeks. And then those get stitched together into a quilt of winning by the end. Beautiful. Poetic. A quilt of winning. I like it. Keenan Allen. Pat, 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 Pat Fitzmorris is joining us here. Oh, sweet. Matt, hey, Matt's, Matt's, sleeping at the, Matt's sleeping at the wheel here as host. I had to, I had to add Pat. <laughs> Gentlemen, what's going on? Adam, Matt, Jared, great to see you. How are you, Pat? Pretty Pat good. Of Fantasy Pros, by the way, for anybody who's not familiar for whatever reason. Pat, we were noting, of course, that you started off this draft with Jonathan Taylor, which was a surprise to us. But what was your thinking going in and not starting with a quarterback? My thinking was I forgot it was super flex. I looked. <laughs> I actually looked at the scoring beforehand at the uh, the rules, and I just kind of uh, I didn't look closely enough, obviously. So um, yeah, man, I would have gone Josh Allen. So uh, you know, it was scramble mode after that, and um, you know, then I was gonna try to kind of punt quarterback, but then with uh, you know Jake Seeley being a weirdo and and going quarterbacks <laughs> and. Three of his first four picks uh, kind of felt under the gun a little bit. Man, interesting draft so far, for sure. Um, not quite the way I would have liked it to play out. Oh, and look here. I'm on the clock. Um, yeah, we have Pat coming up. I won't make you talk through your process unless you want to, but I know what it's like being on the clock for two picks in a row and talking to people. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to – I guess I'm going to go bully. Man, I can't. I tweeted about this a little while ago. Like, if you had a guy with Jonathan Taylor's size and speed who had scored, like, double-digit touchdowns his first two seasons, like, where would you think he would be going in his third season? You know, top three, top five? He's still here in the eighth round, end of the eighth. I'm taking Antonio Gibson here for my, mm. actually, third running back. So, uh... I can't, uh, I can't quit him yet. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm can't, with you. man. And and a yeah. former receiver too, so it's not like right. he doesn't have the pass catching chops. Um, but do we know? Does Ron Rivera know that he used to play receiver? I'm <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. Right. Exactly, man. Uh, that's the the painful thing. Like he, you know, couldn't do that job better than uh, J D. McKissick. So uh, now I'm just like I'm falling behind at the wide receiver position, which is never a good feeling. Um, it sometimes can be the way to approach these things, though, because most people are not choosing to fall behind at wide receiver. So then you get into a range where lots of other people have lots of blue and you can, you know, it's not exciting players, but you can pick through some guys that are going to give you starter weeks still. Yeah, boy, I'm going to I'm going to shoot for the moon here with uh, Sky Moore. Oh, the sky's the limit. Yeah, Adam, Adam likes that one. Love it. Love it. Yeah, you're a Sky Moore guy, Adam? Yeah, I just think, especially in best ball, too. It's like he's going to have, you know, a healthy Sky Moore is going to have weeks for you. And, and in uh, in best ball for receiver in general, you know, you get you can get guys, like Matt was saying, in the teens where they're going to pop for a touchdown here, pop for a touchdown there, and, that, and those are the weeks that they're going to – they're going to get into your starting lineup. So, um, yeah, no, I like I like the, the well-rounded roster. I like the, the pivots kind of – what, Pat, when did you realize it was super flex? Did you think Mike Sando was an idiot at three? And like, oh, uh, no, I that that, <laughs> that pick uh, definitely like raised my antenna a bit. Uh, that was kind of it, and, and just like you know, you and you hate being on an end too, and not yes. like, attacking the court. Like it, 
I knew that it wasn't going to be pretty at the quarterback position coming <laughs> back to me. Um, I was kind of happy, though, with the recovery with the uh, Adams-Carr combination mm-hmm. yes. at the 2-3 turn. I, I thought that worked out pretty well. Um, you know, and then just kind of continue to lay off quarterback a little bit. And, uh, you know, I will say about that Wilson-Goff combination, like I do think the Lions and Jets maybe have two of the most underrated offensive lines in the league. So maybe it'll give time for uh, those two to operate. But, you know, it's uh, I, I definitely needed three waiting on quarterback that long. So I uh, had mm-hmm. to kind of nail the position down there. Yeah, Goff and Wilson starters were off. Goff and Wilson are perfect basketball quarterbacks to me, too, because you would never feel comfortable putting them in a starting lineup. But I think, you know, Wilson Wilson will chuck a deep. He can run a little. Goff has the weapons where if, you know, game script gets out of hand for Detroit, he could put up some big games, too. So I, I like those two guys as, as quarterback twos and quarterback threes here. Yeah, you nailed it, Jared. Um, best ball only. You do not want to throw yes. those guys into a starting lineup on a weekly basis <laughs> in uh, redraft. So you mentioned liking having Devontae Adams and Derek Carr get to you at that 2-3 turn. Then, of course, it was DJ Moore after that. And then to start round five, it was Javante Williams. Do you, in general, like Javante Williams over James Conner and Travis Etienne? Or was this, like, something different to try to make up for the way things started shooting, you know, for ultimate upside with Williams? Kind of ultimate upside. I mean, I know that, like, on talent alone, I do think he's probably one of the five best backs in the league. And, you know, even though the Broncos were disinclined to um, make it anything other than a 50-50 split with Melvin Gordon last year. And, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a Wisconsin guy. Like, I love Melvin Gordon. He's really good. I wouldn't be surprised if they did the 50-50 thing again. But if they don't, and I know, like, Cecil Lammy of, of Football Guys has indicated he thinks it's going to be more of a shift toward Javante this year. Uh, you know, he's kind of a Bronco insider. We'll see, man. I hope he's right. Wouldn't surprise me if it remained a 50-50. And even then, I think, you know, Javante could at least give me a fair return on that investment. But if it does shift in his favor and I've got a Javante, uh, Jonathan Taylor, one-two punch at running back, like that could be pretty potent. Yeah. And we'll all see exactly how it does work out. But the way that Denver handled Melvin Gordon this offseason certainly indicates that they don't want to do things with the new coaching staff the same way that last year's did with that backfield. I mean, Melvin Gordon hung out there on the open market for a long time and then came back for a, a smallish one-year deal. Yeah, um, agreed. So maybe that is an indication that they do plan to shift things a little more in Javante's favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are certain players where if I don't take them, if I fade a guy, you know, I generally like to fade guys that, like, if I'm wrong, they're not going to kill me. Javante Williams could kill you. Like, if you fade Javante Williams, there's a chance that he could, could be a top three fantasy running back. Like, if Melvin Gordon really isn't a thing, or if Melvin Gordon gets hurt, he's got a ton of touches uh, on his body and his career, man. I hate the thought of passing on a guy like Javanta consistently. So I think, um, I think that's, that's, that's a kind of a good kind of stance to take there sometimes on a guy like, like, like Javanta. Yeah, I, I was a uh, Jonathan Taylor fader last year. So I know, <laughs> I know, I know what you're talking yeah, about, Adam. Exactly. And he could be this year's Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he could just be awesome and an awesome offense. I mean, we all know about Javanta wins, but uh, I hate fading a guy like that because he could absolutely punish you. Yeah, I don't want to be totally out, but I, I'm not uh, too far in either. So Zach Wilson, Jared Goff, Antonio Gibson, Sky Moore, we, we heard you pick those guys uh, when it came to that turn. Were there any players 
Pat, that you were hoping were going to be there that didn't get to you? Any near misses um, among those last four picks? Let's see. It was a little earlier, kind of a near miss where I was hoping for... Uh, it probably wasn't going to happen. A Michael Pittman. I had already stacked the two Raiders. I was hoping for like a Michael Pittman, uh, Matt Ryan stack in uh, at the four or five turn. Uh, Mike Sanda took Pittman two spots ahead of me, so that was not to be. Um, that that wasn't really it, um, or, or that is about it. There was no one I was really uh, who was like right in my grasp. I. Yeah, I might have taken Hawkinson. Evan Evan Silva took Hawkinson one spot ahead of me. I probably would have grabbed him instead of Antonio Gibson or uh, Sky Moore. Probably would have been a Gibson-Hawkinson combination there. So I guess Evan did pick Hawkinson away from me. So once you were not able to get the Pittman-Matt Ryan combo, was Mac Jones a consideration at that spot where you took Javante Williams? Or do you think at that point it's like, well, I'm not going to – I'm not going to – double punish myself for not getting that quarterback to start things by chasing more than I want to and taking Mac Jones here. Yeah. For me, the quarterback tier kind of flattened out there, uh, Matt. So like I was willing to just kind of wait and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, pick whoever let other guys sift through the quarterbacks who were left and just kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, take what was left over to me a bit later on. Yeah, and I like it because, I, you know, I agree that maybe Mac Jones does way outperform those guys, but especially for best ball purposes, I don't think he's a long way from Zach Wilson and Jared Goff to start things. And I think one way that you can get yourself in trouble is when you have a draft misstep to overcorrect it. You know, it's like when you're driving, you don't want to overcorrect because you are on ice or, you know, went off the side of the road. Right. You get yourself into worse trouble. Yeah, steer into the skid. Uh, right. Exactly. Matt, <laughs> Matt's, de- Matt's definitely teaching his daughters how to drive right now. <laughs> that's why i have the green screen behind me so you guys can't see what's going on <laughs> oh man i've got a 16 year old daughter so that hits a little too close to home jared i don't know <laughs> yep mine's 15 always... She's, she made flashcards to get ready for the uh, driver's permit test oh boy <laughs> which puts her ahead of me she's much more prepared <laughs> well pat thank you very much for jumping in and joining us because it was nice to get some of your strategy along the way and uh, before you get back on the clock, we'll let you go so that you can focus on building out this team because we got a lot of rounds left to go. Oh, thanks, guys. Always great to talk to you and uh, always great to be in the Draft Sharks Invitational. Thank you for having me back. Appreciate before it. You, before you do go, though, let people know where they can find you and your stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, hit me up at uh, fantasypros.com. We've got a lot of great stuff coming out throughout the month of August. You can hear me on the Fitz on Fantasy podcast and uh, check me out on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Pat Fitzmorris from Fantasy Pros, thanks very much for joining us. We love having you in this draft. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Pat. One of the nice guys from the industry. I always like talking to Pat. And he jumped on with us last year during his draft. Yeah. Him jumping in there. So thank you, Jared, for paying attention to the (laughs) and realizing that he was there so you didn't have to just sit there and uh, listen to me make metaphors. Jumping back into the draft, let's go to that fifth round because that's kind of where we left off. Actually, we didn't even get to the end of round four um, because that was where Michael Pittman went off the board before he could get to Pat at that turn. I agree. That would have been a nice pairing for somebody trying to make up a quarterback, Michael Pittman and Matt Ryan around that turn. So then after Pittman went, we had Ryan Tannehill go off the board at 411 to Evan Silva. That was his second quarterback. Then Pat took DJ Moore. Of course, Javante Williams to start round five. As we mentioned, James Conner, Travis Etienne followed him off the board. Adam, we talked about Javante Williams a little bit. 
Uh, would you have taken him right there with James Conner and Travis Etienne also still available and Nick Chubb, who we talked about going all the way at the end of that round? Yeah, I'm trying to see who we took him over. Um, see, I think Connor to me, like if you project him out, and I, and I know you guys have uh, Connor will project higher, but I feel like the upside for a guy like Williams is certainly higher. Like Connor, I don't think has season long top three upside that I think Javante Williams does. Um, oh, I disagree. Yeah, well, I think if they, if they both play 17 games, sure, but I just think Connor has a history of miss of, of of missing games, and Javante, I think if he gets the right. Again, if Melvin Gordon plays all year, that's a different story. But you can kind of create the narrative there that that that, that Javante uh, could have higher upside. But I like him in that in that range of guys. So I definitely um, would have taken him over Connor and in ADP too. Like Javante is going higher than Connor, so maybe not in this draft, but in some drafts you can get Javante in the second and Connor in the third, uh, and you're fine. And you can you, you can get them both. But um, Etienne's been, been been climbing. I know. Um, but, uh, I think they're kind of all in the same tier there. And if you do a bunch of drafts, grab, grab each, each of them, but I probably lean Javante just on the upside there, age offense, stuff like that. Jared, I know who you favor between them. It's, it's James Conner for me and he does have the injury history, but, uh, Adam afforded me the opportunity to talk about the draft sharks injury <laughs> guide, which certainly says that James Connor is at a greater risk for injury than Javante Williams, because we haven't projected for a lot more touches. And that's a big factor in that injury risk for running backs. I still love that the role is right there for him. And we don't have to guess about how the guys behind him are going to factor into what he gets. I'm still surprised people aren't convinced that Connor is going to keep the pass catching role. Like I know he didn't last year when Chase Edmonds was healthy, but Chase Edmonds is gone. Daryl Williams and Nino Benjamin are not proven pass catchers. You know, Williams is okay, but James Connor has been a great pass catcher going back to his Steelers days. I think if anything, you know, Daryl Williams and maybe Benjamin could steal some early done work from Connor. But I think he's locked in as the pass catching back. I think he's locked in as the goal line back. And, you know, those are the, the two most important things. And we have him projected high, both in fantasy points and in touches. So that's going to boost his injury risk. He's still at 83%. That sounds high, but if you look at running backs, and Jared and I did a whole podcast on this earlier this week, that's not really that high a number for a workhorse running back. It's below where Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Miles Sanders for the Eagles are. So, you know, some injury risk for sure, but we know that that risk is there for all running backs. So I, I love the upside. I'm I've kind of I've had the same issue with James Conner at some point where I'm like, it's James Conner. Am I really ready to draft him that early? But then I have to just look at the role. And, you know, if I like the other workhorses as much as I do, I there's no reason for me to say, but it's James Conner when the Cardinals are saying, yeah, we saw what he did last year and we're going to make sure to pay him whatever it takes to keep him around and give him a lot more touches. I mean, to me, he's a third round pick with a second round role. Like he's just, he's just discounted because of the injury history. And I mean, if you use the draft war, really, I think he probably has a first round role depending on where running backs are going. If you use the draft war room, he's going to hit the top of your board. And the only question is, do I just go ahead and take him now to make sure I get him? Or do I wait around the turn? It's just a few picks away and see if I can steal him because it's still way ahead of ADP. One of those decisions that you face um, every draft. But uh, I like Connor where he comes up. I have to, you know, I've mentally gotten past being uncomfortable with it. I I think he faces a great role and should get great usage this year. Travis Etienne's next. And he's kind of the opposite, Adam. We all love him 
We have no real idea what he's going to get usage-wise, touch-wise each week, but the upside is absolutely there. And I don't think, even though he's climbed, I don't think he has out-climbed his ceiling. I don't think he's come close to doing that this year. No, he he hasn't. I think Etienne's a guy, you know, I, I just wish, I wish Robinson wouldn't play. I wish they would put Robinson on the <laughs> pup just for more of a security because, you know, it's not about what we would do. It's about what the coaches are going to do. You know, I know it's a new coaching staff. I get it. And Robinson's coming off that injury, but you know, uh, he's been a, he's been a workhorse. You know, so um, Etienne will probably get the valuable touches. He'll probably get uh, the pass catching role. Um, he obviously has a has a relationship with Trevor Lawrence there, going back to college. But we don't know who the goal line role belongs to if James Robinson is healthy. So that is another reason why I, I like Connor. Um, over Etienne, if we're looking in that in that range too, but Etienne's a kind of a polarizing player in the second and third round. I don't think he's polarizing in a sense where people don't don't like him. It's just how much. I mean, you got people talking about he should, you know, he's he he should be a first round pick in some of these fantasy drafts. I think that's just a little crazy. We're just assuming he's going to get a James Conner role, you know, where it could be it could be much much less. We don't we don't really know. Uh, how the offense is going to do, you know, we assume the offense is going to be better, but um, you know, and then they had a, you know, uh, video him on Twitter the other day running and one of the, a doctor was like, I'm surprised he doesn't break his foot every time he runs. So um, which is, which is interesting. So Etienne's a guy that I like, I'm fine with in, in third uh, of a, of a standard draft. Uh, Mike and I took him in the pros versus shows last night in the third and I was happy to take him there, but he's a guy that, that, you know, he could, he could bust and I could be like, yeah, you know, uh, that I'm not surprised that he busted. He could also be a guy that finishes in, in the top 10. Jared, my assumption slash hope for his role is why can't he be what DeAndre Swift was for sure. the Lions last year? And we had Hayes Carline come on the podcast the other day as part of our Beat Writer series. And he said, wherever you're drafting Travis Etienne, he should be earlier. And wherever you're drafting James Robinson, he should be later. And it's not just Hayes. I mean, every single Jags beat writer has been talking up ETN and you know, calling him the, the team's best off- offensive player in camp so far. So I'm excited about the guy, and I, and I agree with Adam. He's polarizing, but it seems like in every draft there's someone who loves ETN and you know pushes mm-hmm. him up. He, he's he's going in the second round in a lot of these high stakes drafts now, um, which to me he could pay off there. But it's it's you know definitely an optimistic view of his. I mean, we haven't even seen him play an NFL game yet. Yeah, it is a shame to see him going that early. It was nice to get him later than that. And that's part of why you draft all year, right, guys? We should be drafting starting in January. (laughs) Uh, We had Mac Jones go after Travis Etienne. Then it was A.J. Brown at 5.05 to whose team is that? Can't see the top of the board, but doesn't really matter. To Thank you, Dave Kluge. Uh, Then we had Jalen Waddle go to the Tua team right after that. Fantasy Mojo. So, like I said, he started out with Justin Jefferson, Dak Prescott, Saquon Barkley, then Tua in round seven. Got Jalen Waddle, of course, knew he wasn't going to get Tyreek Hill because Hill left the board a pick ahead of Tua. But Jalen Waddle's a nice guy to stack with him, not because, you know, not because I'm betting heavily on Tua and Waddle this year. But if Tua pays off and that's what you're betting on happening, if you take him here, then Waddle's probably coming with them. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit higher ever since the kind of the Gasecki news came out that they're making Gasecki basically a, a blocking tight end and narrowing that passing tree. I'm a little bit higher on Waddle, which I find Waddle dropping more in the last, in recent drafts. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly happy to take him. Tyreek Hill too. Like Tyreek Hill at wide receiver 10. I mean, all of the, all of the downsides kind of baked in at that point. Um, getting him at wide receiver 10 or Waddle where he's been going. I saw him fall to the fifth round in the pros versus Joe's the other day. I mean, 
That's that's fantastic. And um, so if it's just those two guys getting get the rock, fine. I mean, I, I think General Waddle's a, a great pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of positive stuff coming out of Miami camp about how Waddle and Hill are looking in that offense with Tua. Um, yeah, I thought Waddle was overvalued. I, I He was like a mid-third rounder, I believe, you know, back in the spring. I thought he was a bit overvalued now. He regularly goes in the fourth, now sometimes in the mid to late fourth. I like him there. And Tyreek Hill I like as a, you know, two, three turn pick. He's been going there mostly since he got dealt to Miami. Um, so I'm on both those guys. You know, I, 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 I like Mike Williams over Waddle. Um, but you know, that's a fine tiebreaker if you have to, uh, to, to side with Waddle there. And Waddle of course stayed in round three for a while, even after the Tyreek Hill trade. So that was when I was off him and I, I have seen him going in round four as well. So I become interested at that point. Jared, would you mind scrolling up on the draft room a little bit? We'll catch people up with picks and then we'll get back to where things are. Um, after the Jalen Waddle pick, we had Matt Ryan go in the middle of round, what is that, five? Then it was Mike Williams after that to the Justin Herbert team. So a nice stack there. Cortland Sutton went the pick after that. And Dom probably had a choice between Mike Williams and Cortland Sutton with Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson already on his roster. So he favored Mike Williams over Cortland Sutton. Then it was Cam Akers as the second running back to Jake Seeley's team. So he sandwiched those three quarterback picks with Derrick Henry and Cam Akers, three quarterbacks, two running backs through five rounds. Darren Waller after that, Nick, Nick Chubb as running back 17 after Cam Akers left the board, as Jared pointed out much earlier. It was Nick Chubb and Brandon Cooks around the 5-6 turn for Mike Shope. Then it was a second tight end for Dan Williamson, who, of course, is a veteran of the FFPC format, Adam. So he not only you know loves the tight ends, he probably loves that they're purple on this draft board, too, because that's familiar to anybody who's doing FFPC <laughs> drafting. Yeah, he's got to love that. I mean, Dan's a... Dan's an expert and a kind of a veteran of all the different uh, different drafts, NFFC and all that stuff. So he, yeah, he probably was salivating to see in the guys in the sixth round that are normally going in like the second or third. So um, yeah, and Dan probably has the best draft I've seen. I saw in the pros versus Joe's. So I, I wish I, I wish I could have uh, kind of met you guys there. Sorry, Dan might I have the best. Dan might have the best draft in this league. I really like his team. The two, you know, he got the one elite yep. quarterback, Brady, a tier two quarterback, got those two tight ends. I think Waller and Kittle were excellent values there. Um, you know, got the kind of went hero RB, I guess, with Swift and then pounding some some wide receivers. I think I think Elijah Mitchell, I'm sure it's there to warm up to Elijah Mitchell. Um, I think he's kind of locked in as the as the guy there. Um, so I, I like I like Dan's team a lot. Yeah, and he's he had Kyler Murray, as you said, to start out. Then Tom Brady, he got Mike Evans to pair with uh, Tom Brady. And I think that that stack matters much more than getting an Arizona pass catcher to go with Kyler Murray, who can go off, you know, naked, especially in this format <laughs> where it's a small tournament. He doesn't need a pass catcher to go with him because it's probably going to be spread around a little bit. We'll probably have Marquise Brown lead things early. We might have mm-hmm. Zach Ertz help fill the DeAndre Hopkins void. Then we'll have DeAndre Hopkins come back. We don't know what's going to be up with Rondale Moore. So I don't mind not having a uh, Cardinals pass catcher to go with Kyler Murray. Yeah, and that kind of is one of the advantages to taking a quarterback early that um, that relies so much on their legs is you're not f- kind of forced or you don't feel forced to stack them with pass catchers because, like you said, a lot of their fantasy value comes from them by themselves. 
and he could have taken Marquise Brown at that George Kittle spot, did not, opted for George Kittle as his second tight end. We had Deontay Johnson go after that, then Marquise Brown to Dom's team after that. Uh, no, I'm sorry, to JJ's team after that. So that was his third straight wide out after his two quarterback start, and then Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, Cortland Sutton, Marquise Brown. We had Brees Hall as the second running back for Dom Barani's team. Then we had Terry McLaurin, Jerry Judy go off the board to Fantasy Mojo. So we had the Russell Wilson squad pass on Jerry Judy around after choosing Mike Williams over Cortland Sutton. So clearly taking the guy that he saw as the running back value over the wide receiver to stack with Russell Wilson. I think that's probably fine for the format. We've talked about not needing to stack here. Jared, would you have taken Jerry Judy or you like the running back fine? I like the running back there. Um, again, that's where I'm not going to push the stack. Just, just, you know, for the sake of the stack. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to say something about Cortland Sutton. I think all the Cortland Sutton drafters got bailed out. I think <laughs> I think he was I think he was such a bad pick in the late third round. Uh, but now that Tim Patrick's out for the year, I think that's about where Sutton should be going. So I think all you guys got bailed out. I'm very curious to see how Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy sorts out because it seems like everybody thinks that Jerry Judy is not very good and that Cortland Sutton is very good. And I don't know what there would be to to – I don't know what points to that other than this spring, the buzz guy was Cortland Sutton and he's taller. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that, yeah, the, the lost in Patrick certainly helps Judy. I was a Judy over Sutton guy anyways. So uh, I feel more comfortable with that. I uh, just feel like he's going to get more, more catches, but now I'm a little bit uh, more inclined to take Sutton than I was before. Cause now I think it's going to be a little bit more narrowed, but Hamler uh, Hamler is not as good as Patrick, but Hamler and then the late rounds could be, could, could be a target now for sure. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still a Judy over Sutton guy. I do think the, the gap strong for me. Cause I think, um, you know, Sutton does more of what that offense wanted Tim Patrick to do, you know, some of the, some of the downfield stuff, some of the red zone stuff. So I think, I think Patrick's loss helps Sutton a little more than it helps Judy. Um, I, th- I do think it helps Hamler the most. Like if Hamler's healthy, that's the big question with him, but if he's healthy, he has a great opportunity now. I have an easier time now seeing them both being okay at cost. I was not really comfy with either of those guys before the Tim Patrick injury, but now I'm a little bit more comfy. We'll see exactly how high ADP climbs on them. Deshaun Watson, the second quarterback for Dave Kluge's team, uh, moving on through round six. Then it was Ezekiel Elliott as the first running back for Sean Kerner, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster. Then we had that Zach Wilson, Jared Goff turn that we talked to Pat Fitzmorris about a little bit ago. That started off a quarterback run. We had Zach Wilson, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield going all in a row. Jared, I'm sure that you think Daniel Jones should have gone earlier in that quarterback run. Yes. Um, I'm kind of surprised Deshaun Watson dropped it. For, although I guess I did. I did. I guess I missed news when I was out in the golf course that the NFL's appe- appealing a suspension, right? So I guess maybe yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, to me, Daniel Jones should be going. Um, man, I'd take him ahead of Mac Jones and Matt Ryan. Yeah, I would. I would have taken him two rounds earlier. Are we worried about that that fake text or fake tweet from Fantasy Life about about the Giants trading for for Garoppolo? I mean, I don't know. Is it that does. A, did it they does jump sound the like gun Jones, on that? What, what it happened? does sound like Jones has gotten off to a rough start in camp. I think he was better today, uh, but it's a new offense. And he's not we that just, good. We have to keep that in mind. Yeah, we don't need <laughs> him to be good. Just get the get the ball to Tony and, and, the ball to Tony. and then run and, and then run a little bit. Yeah. yeah. If the reports are Daniel Jones doesn't look great at practice, you're like, duh. That's why he doesn't have a contract <laughs> after this season. Can he keep the starting job? We just though? need all really right. care about. We just need him to be good enough to keep the starting job. Hand it to Saquon, baby. Let, let's go. 
that was the third quarterback for Mike Sanda. And it's, so, of course, a lot easier to like Daniel Jones as your third quarterback than if it's just him and Terod Taylor for your actual NFL team. We have Baker Mayfield as the third quarterback for Sean Kerner's team after that. Uh, DK Metcalf off the board. Then Gabe Davis as the fourth wide receiver for Fantasy Mojo. Um, so actually, we had uh, Mike Sanda pass on Gabe Davis as a stacking option with Josh Allen as well to take that Daniel Jones spot. And mm -hmm. with Allen Robinson at his previous pick, I agree with taking Allen Robinson ahead of Gabe Davis. I certainly would not have reached for Davis ahead of Allen Robinson just to complete that stack. Yeah, yeah definitely Robinson. Agree. Yep, definitely Robinson over Gabe Davis. And then I I like the Jones pick, you know, even despite, you know, you know passing on Davis for the stack, but, you know, to get Jones out of value and to lock up a third quarterback, which I do think you want to do. And, you know, there were – very few locked in starters still remaining when Mike took Daniel Jones. Yeah. We could say that the next quarterback off the board might not be a locked in starter Baker Mayfield to Carolina. We'll see if he beats out Sam Darnold. I think we're expecting him to, but it's not locked in yet. Davis Mills, a locked in starter after that, a few picks later after Gabe Davis, then Rashad Bateman. We've got a sea of blue here, uh, which seems like it's time for that. We had Rashad Bateman follow Davis Mills, then Darnell Mooney, then Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Chris Godwin, Dallas Goddard around that turn to Mike Shope. He, at that point, had, let's see, two wideouts. So it was Brandon Cooks, Chris Godwin. I'm not sure about Chris Godwin as a second wideout, but I guess there's time to fill that in behind him, Jared. And then Dallas Goddard as a second tight end. I mean, Travis Kelsey and Dallas Goddard on a tight end premium team, he probably only needs one more tight end throughout this draft. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I, I thought he would he would go that route. I didn't want to kind of blow up his spot there, but uh, I think Goddard's a great pick uh, with with Jalen Hurts there. Um, you know, he could start he could start on both Kelsey and Goddard there. Uh, I think he needs he, he's going to be playing some catch up now at receiver, especially not knowing about Godwin if he's if he's going to be on or off the pup. So he's going to be a little light at receiver, but um, you know the plan is to to be really good at running back, dominate at tight end. Um, you know, be really good at quarterback and just hopefully again, there you go. K KJ Hamler to take some later guys that, that can pop uh, for, for a couple of games. To me, I mean, you always, you never want to be chasing in any position, but yeah. the reality of this format is it's such a deep starting lineup. You're probably going to be chasing somewhere. And Jared, I don't know about you, but for me, I think the easiest place to be in a chase position and catch up is wide receiver because you'll hit a bunch of guys that you won't like, but all you're doing is grabbing a whole gang of them and hoping that you can get three to four starter weeks every week. Yeah. We're not going to still be on stream when we get to round, you know, 22 and 23, but we can, we'll post a draft board after you look mm -hmm. at those rounds and you're, if you want a running back, it's guys who like aren't even assured roster spots. You can still find wide receivers who you know are going to, play 60 70 percent of their team snaps down in that range so yeah i, I definitely would would rather be in need of, of wide receivers you know midway through the draft than at, at these other positions after dallas goddard we got michael thomas we got drake london amon ross st brown as the fifth straight receiver for jj zacharyson and he followed up with another robert woods in the next round so he started quarterback quarterback one running back six wideouts that looks like a hero rb type of build for this format and then followed those with Tony Pollard and James Cook who are, you know, complementary backs as opposed to lead backs, which makes sense at that point in the draft. We can talk about um, that particular build. Actually, maybe 
maybe let's do that now. Adam, what do you think of the way that uh, JJ chose to put together his roster so far? Yeah, no, I think we talked about uh, that earlier uh, with him going quarterback, quarterback heavy there. Can you scroll up there, Jared? I'm trying to just peek at the top of that there. There we go. Um, yeah, no. And then that the kind of the hero R- RB, which is funny that taking a running back in the third round is hero RB, but I love Pollard and Cook in those hero RB builds. You get a Zeke injury. Um, and then Cook, I think Cook is, is, is a, he isn't an injury from Singletary away from being dominant. Cause I don't think he's that, he's that like full-time running back role, but I think he's like that archetype where he's like a rich man's JD McKissick or something like, like that, where he's going to be able to, t- um, I think you're going to throw the ball to the running back a lot. And I think that he has a chance to take it to the house. So I don't think he's like a Rashad white type back where he's an injury away, but that's the more of the Tony Pollard uh, role. But I think cook could be a guy that he could, that's could start for him every single week um, and get maybe four to four to five catches and just keep his running backs above, above water while he dominates at quarterback he dominates at, at receiver. And then if he can get an injury to Zeke, um, he could, he, this, this team could really smash. We've got about 18 minutes left in this stream. We've, we can see that the draft is a little bit more than halfway through. We're not going to run through all of it. As we said, we're not going to stay on for all of it, but um, rather than run through pick by pick from here, let's look at some other things that stand out. And we talked about running backs coming off the board a little slowly early on. If we look at rounds nine, 10, 11, it really picked up through there. And then 12 as well, um, especially 10 through 12. We saw a bunch of running backs where it looks like guys, wanted to secure the, I don't know, I guess more durable positions early on and wait and push off that position and then group together guys to try to get, I guess, just two starting weeks out of them. Cause that's probably the ultimate goal there, right? Jared, we got, uh, we only have two starting spots we need to fill every week. So more drafters are most likely looking to get that flex spot filled with a wide receiver with a tight end, um, and then just, you know, take their chances with piecing together running back. Yeah, it's funny. I think we had a lot of teams going for similar builds here with, you know, one or two elite running backs or, you know, second tier running backs and then sort of ignoring the position and then starting to sort of, you know, pound it in this nine through 12 round range. I think, I think a lot of teams are sort of trying to do the same thing here. Mm-hmm. I just saw in the comments on the YouTube, somebody's looking at where Romeo Dobbs went and I wasn't even, um, I hadn't even noticed that he came off the board yet. Where do we have Romeo Dobbs go in this draft, Jared? Let me do a control F. Oh, he hasn't, he hasn't gone yet. Okay. He hasn't gone yet. All right. I guess that was, I guess it was a question of, do I take him here or if it's too early? Okay. I was a little worried because I, I don't want him to start climbing too early in drafts. I want him to stay in the range where he makes sense um, <laughs> and not have to chase him into round 12 because I'm not doing that with Romeo Dobbs. But he's an interesting player right now. Um, we had uh, I was looking at Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I was looking for him a little bit ago to see if he went to the Patrick Mahomes team. Uh, is that the same team that drafted Mahomes because he went right down no. there? Okay. Yep. So it looks like, did he go right before? Yeah, he went he right did. One pick ahead of JJ in the 11th round. Yeah. So I, I think I agree with taking Tony Pollard as opposed to trying to get MVS. He did not have any chiefs wide receivers there and seeing if he would get back to him. You know, like we've said, it's a a good gamble to take where if he gets back, I think MVS probably the pick over James cook, you know, we will never know. 
Um, unless we talk to JJ and ask him, it's not really that important a selection, but a, a solid gamble to take there. I do like MBS, uh, at least comparable to Skymore. I would, I think I like him a little bit more than Skymore, especially because I don't have to take him ahead of Skymore right now. But, you know, it's just an interesting wide receiver core to take pieces of and see what happens because there's no sure thing there. Yeah, and this gap is rare. You know, Sky Moore went 9-1, MVS 11-8. Um, you know, I know in FFPC drafts and in underdog drafts, they're, they're generally going in the same area. So, you know, this was, this was uh, I think, earlier than expected for Sky Moore. Definitely earlier. I mean, Pat took him over Adam Thielen, Christian Kirk. Uh, you know, guys, more usually goes behind than probably on the later side for MVS. And Mike Shope, I believe, is mad at me for saying Romeo Dobbs out loud, even though, you know, just following the chat and trying to make sure that people feel seen in the uh, YouTube video uh, comments. So, Jared, <laughs> looking at the whole board, we've got uh, 14 minutes left here in what we're doing. Of course, the draft is going to play out. And as you said, we're going to show the entire board. You can certainly react to all of it later on and ask our drafters why they did certain things. We will certainly be doing that. But looking back at the teams, anybody stand out to you for any reason, really, positive or negative? Or just surprise. I'm not going to be mean and say anything negative about anyone. I, I, I did. Be, we're talking about JJ's team. I do like what he did. Um, if I'm, you know, if I'm nitpicking, I probably would have taken like uh, Goddard. What would have been here, or like uh, you know Eli Mitchell here. I think maybe he went one too many wide receivers in a row there. But I like the general build there. And I'm going to go back to Mike's team. I did take after James Cook there. So he, he went tight ends with Irv Smith and Tyler Higby, and then he took Damian Pierce as his fourth running back. So I, I, I like the type of running backs he got after starting mixing and then kind of ignoring the position. So that's a good team. And, I, again, I like uh, Mike's team as well. Um, you know, getting Hurts and Kelsey, getting that, you know, nice second quarterback in, in Kirk Cousins, and I think Nick Chubb was a value. I think J.K. Dobbins, I mean, J.K. Dobbins in the 10th round here, um, you know, things are sort of trending in his direction in that Ravens backfield. We've had two reports recently now that he's, he's ahead of Gus Edwards in their rehab. So you maybe Dobbins is the one that's ready to go week one and Gus Edwards is not. Yeah. And of course we're not going to actually bash anybody's drafts here because the whole reason that these guys are here and girls uh, in some of the upcoming drafts as well, but the whole reason these drafters are here is because they've proved that they're good at this fantasy stuff. So we're just watching and reacting. Really. We talked about Matthew Friedman's team earlier. He waited on quarterback, got Matt Ryan, uh, fairly late, you know, among the quarterbacks, he then a couple rounds later took Davis Mills. So he did at least get two guys that should be locked in starters all year. And then three rounds after that took Marcus Mariota as his third QB. And there's a good amount of separation between Mariota and where he took Davis Mills, which was the last quarterback taken before that. I would expect that we see at least one more QB for Friedman and maybe, you know, maybe he tries to pair Desmond Ritter with him. Maybe he then tacks on a backup later in the mm-hmm. draft to try to, you know, take a chance on handcuff upside. But there are obviously, as we said, a lot of different ways to approach this, and you're trying to beat a whole field. For sure, yeah. And I know I mentioned uh, Dan Williams's team. I think he did a nice job. Um, I like Darren Armani's team here too, Fantasy Mojo. I mean, I don't agree with Justin Jefferson at six ahead of the elite quarterbacks, but I think he did well to get Dak and to get Tua as, you know, two solid quarterbacks. I love Saquon Barkley in round three. Then I like these wide receivers. He got Waddle, Judy, Gabe Davis, Hunter Renfro. He got a, you know, tier two tight end in Dalton Schultz. And then he filled out the running back core nicely, I think, with Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary, Melvin Gordon. 
Yeah, those running backs are going to be interesting to watch over these drafts because we've seen in previous years, uh, you know, again, this is the third year of this. So we've seen these drafts go quite differently where the next draft we could get quarterbacks throughout round one. We could see multiple teams starting with with three running backs. It's always interesting to watch to see all the different strategies at work, especially because it's probably a format that most of these folks have not played specifically outside of this. So they're applying some of their strategies from other tournaments, but you know, there's also some going on the fly and seeing how the drafters around you do their thing and how you should react to it. I was going to say, if there's ever a draft to, you know, be willing to adjust on the fly, it's, it's this one because there are so many different directions. These drafts can go. Yeah, that's what I think I like about it the most, because that's probably my favorite thing about fantasy is doing that live draft, building that one team, not focusing on an overall portfolio, but, you know, figuring out how I'm going to put together this one team to win this one thing. I I think that's fantasy at its best. For sure. So, Jared, I think that's a good place to cut off tonight. We had uh, Adam had to duck out early. We've got uh, what round are we in as we're uh, Uh, 16? We're late, late round 16. So we're almost at the end of round 16. We got nine more to go after that. They can do the rest of their drafting and concentrate without me talking in their ear. But we will be back for tomorrow night's draft. We'll be back for Friday night's draft. And then three more next week. Of course, Jared and I will be drafting our teams armed with that Draft Sharks war room. That's why I'm always glad when I'm not actually drafting directly against Jared. Because I can look at the board and know who he's considering when his pick comes up. We'll have have our separate drafts. We'll be going against you know, more stacked rooms of analysts and veteran fantasy players. I'm looking forward to mine. I know you are too, Jared. Yeah, I always know you'll let me have Chris Godwin, so I don't mind drafting against you too much. I will absolutely let you have Chris Godwin this year. Uh, So that'll do it for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow night. Join us for that one. And, of course, check out the Draft Sharks YouTube channel, uh, Apple, Spotify, DraftSharks.com for all the podcasts. We've got a lot going on. The whole Beat Writer series where we're eight shows in. More to come tomorrow, the next day, and next week and beyond. We've got all division previews are up in all of those places, as well as more shows to come on various draft prep subjects. So lots going on. Go to DraftSharks.com, become a DS Insider. You can get access to that draft war room. You can sync it to your league. You can have the sidebar running with you as you're doing these drafts, helping you show, helping you to tell who you should be drafting next, regardless of the format, following whatever you enter into your settings. That's it for tonight. For Jared Smola, for Adam Krautwurst, for the entire Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.